Hey friend, you're listening to Live Free with That PCOS Coach, which is me, Letitia Bates. I'm your host. I'm a functional health coach and nutritionist, a former nurse, and current nutrition major. And this is my station where I shed light on polycystic ovary syndrome. You'll hear from PCOS fathers that they share their personal stories and from experts to learn all things PCOS, fitness, and health. Hey friend, welcome back to the podcast. If you are new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you are an old friend, then you probably have noticed some things have changed since you have last listened to an episode. So the podcast is now known as Live Free with That PCOS Coach. I have personally just been going through a lot of growing and evolving and underwent some rebranding and the podcast fell in line with that. So we have a new name, a new look, but still covering the same content, still giving a platform for those with PCOS to share their story and to educate this community. So thank you so much for being here. You guys, I am so excited about this guest. She is such a dear friend of mine, but I just I just adore her. The work that she does is absolutely amazing. So today I am going to be welcoming Dr. Dylan Cutler to the show. Dr. Dylan Cutler is an online holistic health educator, a scientist, and consultant who empowers people with PCOS to achieve hormonal balance, regulate periods, enhance fertility, improve mood, and gain body confidence. Like that is so important. So she actually obtained her PhD in obstetrics and gynecology, specializing in lifestyle changes for those with PCOS. She's a PCOS fighter herself, uh, eating uh, disorder survivor, a vegan feminist who loves creating healthy recipes, photography, clean beauty, and fitness. You guys are just going to adore her. I personally love her so much. And we're going to be talking all about a plant-based nutrition with PCOS. So without any further hold up, let's go ahead and get into today's show. Here is Dr. Dylan Cutler. Hello, Dr. Dylan Cutler. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. I'm really excited that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. We have a really great topic today. We're going to be talking all about plant-based nutrition. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yes, of course. Um, So I'm a PCOS wellness consultant. Um, I'm also a content creator online. So I really um, I'm passionate about sharing holistic, uh, evidence-based uh, practices and, and routines and such that we can follow to heal our PCOS um, from the inside. And uh, a lot of what goes into this is also our mental um, health, um, as that ties in with our hormones uh, so much, especially with PCOS. So, um, so really, my my practice is surrounding uh, nutrition. Uh, lifestyle changes like moving our body more, um, being more mindful, uh, reducing stress, um, and then maybe supplementation if um, if that's necessary, but not all the time. So, yeah, 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 just all those main pillars of health that often exactly. people forget that there's other pieces to it for sure. Totally, yeah. yeah. I think that the basics are what we forget so often, and I know myself <laughs> even like sleep yeah. for me is probably my greatest weakness, and um, if sleep was in check, then I think like so much of my <laughs> rest of my life would just like fall into place. But right, yeah. right. What what brought you into working with clients with PCOS? Do you have PCOS yourself? I do. Yes, I was diagnosed when I was sixteen, so I was lucky in that it was so early. Mm-hmm. Um, I was unlucky in the sense that I had no idea what to do and was given a lot of really poor advice um, and fear as well. Uh, I was told I wouldn't be able to have kids. I was told, which isn't true. Um, Right. (laughs) There is is a chance. It's going to be harder work, but there is a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was told that I couldn't eat carbohydrates anymore, that I needed to eat less and move more. Uh, at the time I was an athlete, very physical, very active. Yeah. There was no way I could move more. Right, right. <laughs> and eating less was dangerous. Uh, eating less was not good for my athletics or uh, my mental health. So that actually drove me into an eating disorder. 
So yeah, my PCOS and my eating disorder were very tied together. And we see in the literature and the research that this is really common in people with PCOS. Of course. Yeah. And the Thalma Thuman, your journey and that whole process is what inspired you, like when you were getting your education and you just said, hey, like we need more help in this area. Definitely. I definitely had a firsthand experience, but more than that was actually seeing how common this was for other people in my life, like other family members, for example, that have PCOS and maybe didn't even know for most of their life that they did. And then, so I don't think it would have been enough for it to be my story. And this is what I'm going to take, do my PhD on. It was for me to realize how common it is and how like common my situation was. Um, and that just broke my heart that there's so many women that were struggling. Right, right. And I'm just curious, just from like, which I know you and I talk a lot, but when you were going through your education in the literature that you had to learn with PCOS brought up that often? So in my undergrad degree, which was pre-med, it was not. Um, so there was very little hormonal health. I think we talked about the menstrual cycle, um, very basic uh, kind of sex ed education, as terrible as it is. Yeah. Um, and then it was what changed those during my PhD, because I chose to do a doctorate directly in polycystic ovary syndrome. So mm-hmm. of course, the six years was all PCOS. Um, so that's very rare. There's uh, maybe a handful of PhDs in the world that have looked like directly at PCOS, right? Um, especially from a lifestyle perspective. So, um, so yeah, I went from, you know, the, the basic sort of medical system where we are not talking about women's health very much, especially mm-hmm. these like, niche, niche conditions, even though it's not niche at all, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally <laughs> get what you're saying. Condition. Right. Like my whole life, like my, my, personal health, my degree, and then eventually my business is like, I live and breathe PCOS. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's just, it's just helpful to know too, because I know uh, like a common question or phrase that I think it's just like, why do our doctors not know more? Why does no one seem to know? And I've just seen, for, even from my experience and talking to other providers, it's not that you're necessarily educated very deeply about PCOS when you're getting your education, unless it's something that you are wanting to specialize in and which you are, you know, you've produced research in PCOS, but a lot of times like you have to kind of take it upon yourself to really dive into the PCOS um, education so that you can educate others as well. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so much of my own management of my PCOS would not be the same if it wasn't for having a degree in it and being mm-hmm. and looking at the research so carefully. So yeah. that is really disappointing to me that we have to, you know, be able to read and decipher in intensive literature articles uh, mm-hmm. to understand our own bodies. Like that's ridiculous. Right. It should be it should be put in much simpler terms for, you know, the wide public to really grasp. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what both you and I do on social media. And- <laughs> I was going to say, that's why I love what you do. Cause you really give us, um, like you said, a holistic approach that's evidence-based, but it's in bite-sized information that I feel is really relatable and understandable as well, because so many people, as you see, I mean, are really clueless and lost and not sure. And if you, just give them a study on something, they're definitely not going to be, you know, less lost. That's for sure. <laughs> they may just add to the confusion. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That is, that is my goal. That is my, you know, ambition. And that was why I started d- during my degree because I was seeing, I was learning so much, um, but I, I felt like it was in a bubble. I feel like academia and our research scientists are in this bubble where we're really expanding our knowledge, but the knowledge isn't getting out to the people that need it. Uh, you know, the people that are living and breathing and, and suffering. Right. right. You see? Um, so this gap there was what I was trying to, uh, you know, fill by creating a blog. I didn't know it would take off into <laughs> like a side hustle, eventually a business. Like I didn't yeah. know that, but um, it was a passion project. Right. And connecting with other people online that, you know, feel so alone 
And I get that. I still feel like alone to this day in different, whether it's, you know, the anxiety or uh, different parts of PCOS that comes up. Um, so to have that supportive community, I think is, is so huge online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I've recently have been talking to a lot of people about, you know, if PCOS, of course, has definitely brought me some great hurdles and struggles, but it's brought me some of the biggest blessings, like, you know, getting connected to you and just, you know, getting connected to people because we can do it from people all across the globe now, thanks to social media and, and yeah. platforms like that. So I think that's absolutely amazing. And I'm really excited for you to educate us on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. One, one of the most common things I get questions on is nutrition and PCOS, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I love those questions, but I do feel kind of like you mentioned earlier that carbs tend to get demonized in the PCOS community. And I know that there are people that, whether it's for um, religious reasons or ethically are wanting to adapt a plant-based diet, or maybe they are already on a plant-based diet and they get told that carbohydrates are bad for PCOS. So now they're conflicted on what to do. And so I would love if we could dive into talking about plant-based nutrition because you eat a plant-based diet, correct? Definitely. Yeah. I would love to. So I've been a vegan for nine years and then a vegetarian for about 15 years. It was oh, in my wow. teens when I the reason first for um, becoming a vegetarian were for digestion issues. I found that when I ate meat, my stomach hurt after. And I did have, um, I do have irritable bowel syndrome. I don't think I have it anymore. Like I never experienced it. Yeah. It's just wild because that it literally controlled my life. Like through as a teenager, oh, I would sure. skip events. I would like I just be out on the couch all night, like just in so much pain, like clutching my stomach after dinner. And it was, I just intuitively thought that it was the red meat at the time. And so when I stopped eating that, um, it improved a lot. Uh, and then other sorts of like meat and dairy were the were real two real triggers that um, for me. And then it was, you know, later in life when I started to uh, care more about the environment and, you know, animals and such and that's where that's what pushed me to you know go all the way uh vegan mm -hmm. and I don't I, I'm not saying that everyone has to be vegan but there are so many ben benefits to eating more plant-based um and the number one I would point towards would be fiber um you know mm -hmm. fiber is probably the, the nutrient that we're lacking the most yeah um and we tend to focus on the macronutrients, the protein, the carbs, the fat, but fiber usually is left out of the conversation. Um, and that's what, that's what helps us feel full. That's what helps our gut microbiome. Um, it's what it prevents cardiovascular disease, like all these risk factors of PCOS come down to fiber. So, um, and where's fiber? Fiber is in plants. Like we don't get any fiber from animal products. Right. So that's like the number one reason to like increase our plant um, intake. The other would be when you're talking about carbohydrates, um, many carbohydrates are forms of fiber. So if we're, you know, restricting carbohydrates, we're likely going to be restricting fibrous foods. Um, and the thing that people often get wrong with um, the whole carbohydrates are bad is that there's so many different types of carbohydrates. Right. <laughs> there's right. carbs, there's, you know, simple carbs, there's, um, the processed carbs, so things like anything processed, it doesn't even matter if it's a carb, anything processed we know is, is not really food. The best, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the chemicals and, and it's processed for a reason to last longer. So, um, you know, we're not, not to say that I'm demonizing those foods, but it, when we realize like what is real food and what is not real food, then you start to think, okay, like, do I really want that in my body? Mm -hmm. um, chemically made and such. So those are the kinds of carbs that, you know, might likely affect us more than whole food carbs, like that are coming from rice or quinoa or um, starches like potatoes or sweet potatoes. Like those are all amazing sources of carbs that I eat all the time. Um, and it just is a matter of, you know, sticking with those foods that are coming from the ground or the tree, um, as opposed to like a chemical plant that, you yeah. know, a chemical factory. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I've always kind of, um, it's really crazy because like you said, how you intuitively kind of just knew that me affected you differently. I did basically the same thing when I first started like my whole health and fitness journey with PCOS about six years ago, I just quit eating food that wasn't either fished or farmed or, you know, come from the ground. And um, it's now looking back, it's like, wow, like no wonder that worked so well for me because I cut out so much processed food. It's not even, it's really embarrassing now looking back, uh, but I was eating fast food like three times a day. <laughs> it was just so easy. And it's like, wow, like no wonder I improved my health so drastically and so quickly when I went from that nutrition regimen to eating more real foods and lots of plant foods. I mean, lots of vegetables and lots of fruits. And I think a lot of times too, and um, you can share what your thoughts are. Most of the time when people hear the word carb, I don't feel like they ever like think of a squash or apples or like, I think as soon as they hear the word carbs, they immediately go to bread, pizza, pizza, pasta, like, do you feel that way too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be super helpful if, if we were able to just kind of rewire our thinking. And every time we hear the word carbs, like meet it with apple or squash or, you know, some kind of vegetable so that you can start training yourself slowly to, to hear that word and actually think about those, you know, fruits and vegetables that are full of fiber and super beneficial. Yeah, and there's and sources of glucose, which is what our brains run on. Um, like if you ever have tried a low carb diet, like you feel really shitty and tired, and like there's a reason for that. Um, and I don't think there's that like I don't think that we're supposed to just get over that beginning part and like get used to it. I think our it's our body's screaming for help that right. it's not, you know, it's not um, how humans are built. And like the exception, like as we we know, like for um, epilepsy, keto, that's why keto was signed. So, you know, there's exceptions for very specific cases under medical, you know, care, like yeah. with a practitioner. Right. It shouldn't be something that we're doing on our own um, because like we saw an influencer doing it or we saw it on the internet kind of thing. Like it needs to be very followed really carefully because of these risks, because like our bodies run on carbs. So we're going to- yeah. Even, yeah. I mean, even with PCOS and like you said, fiber being so important, um, you know, with, I think a, a lot of us struggle with insulin resistance and a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, that the fiber in those carbohydrates is so beneficial with insulin resistance. And I'll have people think that, oh, well, for you to improve your glucose levels, you have to go on a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet. And I'm like, well, it's not necessarily true. And I think for some, it works on the forefront, like at, at the first initial, and then after a little bit, it's either unsustainable or they end up with the same issue that they started with. That's just what I've yeah. noticed a lot. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the reason it works at the beginning is it's a little bit like a band-aid to mm. So we say, okay, my body does not do well with carbs. I don't process it like an average person, which is totally true. We know that um, right. people COS have a different metabolism, whether it's dysregulated or even, even a slower basal metabolic rate has been shown in a couple of studies. Um, but the solution is not to just avoid what's giving us problems. We want to fix the actual like, underlying problem, which um, if you, for a resource for your followers, if they're still like unsure of this, Mastering Diabetes is a really good resource and they go into the science of how like you know, insulin resistance actually starts within the cells and that it's mm -hmm. probably a high saturated fat diet as well as other, you know, environmental factors and such right. that are, you know, causing insulin resistance. It's not the carbohydrates, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we can, so for avoiding carbs, yeah, we're not, we're not going to experience those like wild blood sugar spikes that we we might have had before. But like you said, it's not sustainable, mm -hmm. um, it's not enjoyable, and we're not actually fixing the root cause, which we can fix with tons of whole foods. Like we don't need any restrictions. And that's the beautiful thing about plant-based um, nutrition, which is what helped me and my eating disorder was that I didn't have to restrict or count yeah. calories or macros. It was like, these are all the foods I can eat. Um, they're all like 
they're all luscious and all, all colors of the rainbow and yeah. I can have as many as I want. And that's what the research shows too, is that you don't have to restrict calories on a plant-based diet because there's so much fiber in it that you just, you just keep eating and you get full and you're there. <laughs> there's like yeah. no risk necessary. That's and what... then fiber is balancing our blood sugar, right. um, our mood and such. So that's why I think it's like, that's why I stand by it for PCOS because PCOS is tricky, right? Because yeah, of, this, of our eating disorder tendencies and then living in diet culture and then knowing, okay, we do need to make some changes, but how do we do this in a sustainable way without affecting our mental health? Like it's really hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that, so that's why it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, like a hundred percent. And I know recently, um, we have all kind of struggled with debunking the myth that you, that those with PQS shouldn't have fruit. And, you know, I kind of asked a few people, I'm like, when's the last time that you got super stressed and overwhelmed and you binged on a bag of apples? And I'm like, try it sometime because you won't be able to do it. There's so much fiber in there. Yeah. you'll get full and you'll be able to, to, you know, stop yourself. Unlike, you know, something that, you know, like a snack cake or pastry or something. Um, and I'm just curious with, with going into like a plant-based diet and you're eating that much, like what is like maybe a good idea for a fiber goal? Like if someone just kind of wanted to like, make sure that they were getting enough fiber in, where would you say that goal would be? Oh, that, you know, I never stick to like to numbers or, or okay grams cool much. Yeah. yeah so I just say you know add more uh, okay add a smoothie if you don't mm -hmm. have a smoothie already if you already have a smoothie then make sure there's like a handful of greens in there mm -hmm. um greens are the easiest way but definitely like I think a smoothie is just like greens fruit um protein powder if you want um that's a really awesome way to get antioxidants and vitamins in there and fiber um and then same thing at like at meals, you could add seeds, um, seeds to various meals, um, throw them on top of like salads or, um, or, you know, whatever meal, pretty much seeds can go on anything. I was going to say, um, yeah, like I've done it on stir fries yeah. and pretty much everything. But, <laughs> Just yeah. throw them in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and berries, like as far as a, like an evening snack, frozen berries are my go-to. Yeah, um, cool. and you're adding fiber and also like blueberries are the highest antioxidant food, like one of the highest, um, up there with like matcha green tea. So, um, the antioxidants in berries are just unmatched. So to avoid those is just, you know, it's wild. Like, why would we yeah. want to avoid such, um, you know, potent minerals? And, and I think they, they're sweet, similar to candy, you know, yeah. it's not the same, but um, something like a fr frozen berries really hit the spot for me. Yeah. I'm, here lately, my thing has been frozen cherries. It's just, I don't know why uh, yeah. the texture of them when they're frozen too, it's just, they're just amazing, but no, I, I'm totally agree. And I love that you even talked about smoothies because I feel like they get a bad reputation too. Cause, and of course it's all going to depend on what you put in your smoothie, but the yeah. smoothie is the easiest way to pack in a ton of fiber and nutrients first thing in your day especially mm -hmm. if you don't like eating those green vegetables like spinach and stuff you can hide it in there like I, yeah. I've, all, I've been drinking what I call green smoothies for a few years now and I just I recommend it to people and they're like but I've heard it, it's not good and I'm like well it really depends on what you're putting in there but you can balance your blood sugar add in those antioxidants and so many other great things and a lot of people which I'm sure you see this as well, they don't have time to fix a meal in the morning where this is just throwing things in a blender and going, you know? Yeah. 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 I think any time of day is, you know, sometimes if you don't feel like making dinner um, and, you know, takeout looks really good, then like maybe a smoothie would be mm -hmm. a really good option. And like you said, you can throw so much in. Um, Flaxseed is a great, oh, yeah. great source to throw in. Um, uh, all sorts of vegetables and, and fruit. Um, but yeah, I think I see even see people staying away from fruit and smoothies like that. It would be too much sugar, but it's, it's really sh isn't an issue if it's a whole fruit source. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're dumping in straight sugar. Um, <laughs> we're also adding fiber and the, the nutrients in the fruit. Um, 
and not to mention, you know, everything else that's in the smoothie that allows our blood sugar to stay, you know, mm-hmm. stable, right? Yeah. So yeah, foods don't work in, foods don't work like on their own. It's really about like this whole, everything that we're consuming throughout the day, throughout, you know, the week, like it's all adding up. Yeah, no, and I'm glad that's a great segue into my next question is, you know, let's say someone's interested in ensuring that their plant-based meal is well-balanced for, you know, their PCOS symptoms. Like, what is a great way to build a meal with just plants? Yeah, so definitely, like, kind of comes out of fiber. We're getting sources of fiber, which, you know, is not that hard if we're having plants in there, but... Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to make sure that there's a protein there, like a carb and a fat, like that's it's a, a balance. That's the balance meal there. And, you know, a variety of colors would be awesome. Um, and, but if not, that's okay too, but you know, like a variety changing it up day to day, um, something like, like greens. And then I really love like, like a go-to dinner for me would kind of be like a carb, like quinoa, um, or brown rice. And then maybe even like a yam as well, like a sweet potato mm-hmm. uh, in the oven with like some cinnamon. Cinnamon helps balance blood sugar, and it's just it. like, so delicious with sweet potatoes. It's like Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> um, and then some kind of veggie of choice. I also love like roasting veggies, like cauliflower, mm-hmm. um, roast really well. And then I I eat a lot of tofu um, or edamame beans um, or what would else be good? I recently. For the first time, I made tempeh, which is really? shocking as a vegan for the first time. Like I've had it once, <laughs> but yeah, I know. How did gonna, it turn out? I'm gonna get yelled at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really good. It was different. Um, it yeah. was. It's really dense compared to tofu. I'm just used to tofu. Um, also, tofu is cheaper, so I was yeah. like, you know, but um, but I liked it. Oh, that's cool. And I know a lot of people are curious about you know, well, how do I get enough protein? Can you kind of share with us about maybe some of the myths around plant-based nutrition, not having enough protein for someone and what are our protein options if they are coming from plants? Yeah. So for one, like all plants have some proteins. So, um, so it does add up, you know, even there's even protein in broccoli, but the main sources, um, are things like legumes, beans, uh, tofu I mentioned edamame beans I always have those in my freezer um and then nuts and seeds add add to that um there's so many oh mushrooms are a good source too I might do like a portobello mushroom burger um so those are kind of like the core like especially if we base our diet around like um beans and legumes then Mm -hmm. not only are we getting the protein from there, but also fiber. And there's a lot of uh, nutrients, phytonutrients in beans and legumes that, you know, heart health associations recommend everyone consume. Um, So yeah, it's really, it's not something I worry about. Um, I do train a lot, weightlift a lot. So I do add a a protein powder um, to smoothies um, as well as oatmeal. I'll stir it in my oatmeal. So um, that's something I just like well, I enjoy it. It tastes good. And I just know I'm getting that little extra, but it's certainly not necessary. Um, but yeah, I think we overall, we overemphasize the need of protein. I've never, you know, a protein deficiency is very rare. rare. <laughs> um, and actually in my research, I, part of my research during my PhD was assessing people's diets, um, women with PCOS. So for four years, I was just like, you know, assessing their, like a three-day intake of, um, you know, hundreds of, of women's diets and then putting them into like a chronometer, which is what I, I was using. And it pumps out their macronutrients, micronutrients. Um, and I was assessing like every vitamin and mineral on the planet that I could. <laughs> from and what I found was that, you know, the women with PCOS, especially those with insulin resistance and hyperandrogenism, were consuming less fiber than those that, you know, had healthier levels of insulin um, and androgens. So that was the main finding. Um, another finding was that across the board, no one was deficient in protein um, and there was no differences in carbs or fats intake. So that really, you know, we talk about how you need to be low carb for PCOS, but we're seeing, you know, like the women with PCOS with insulin resistance, the women without, 
and they all had similar carb intake. Yeah. Yeah. It really, if there wasn't any difference, it was fiber. So that just, that kind of backs up the need for plants, the need for more fiber. Mm -hmm. uh, and another finding was that the caloric intake was not different either between oh, women without yet. So, and this was despite having, um, typically the women with PCOS had higher BMIs and waist to hip ratios. Mm -hmm. We know that BMI is not an, a great representation of someone's health, um, but that was what we used in the it's study. Data, yeah, yeah. As the data we had. Um, and yeah, so it, I mean, I really loved these results because it was something that I thought all along was like, right. um, I had trouble as a, a youth, like maintaining my weight. I felt like I couldn't eat what my friends would eat. Like my friends would get like Slurpees for lunch. I don't know if you remember Slurpees. They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, they're like straight <laughs> sugar. And like, I remember looking at the calories at one point. And I was just like, I can't believe my friends have these for lunch. And like, I feel like I will balloon like the next day, like mm -hmm. if I like, have this. So that was, that was me like not knowing how to manage like my insulin and blood sugar and, and inflammation and bloating. And like, it was mostly water weight. Like if we're changing right. that in that amount of time then it's not fat gain it's water weight and um and the, yeah so I was always just like it doesn't make sense because I'm like eating way less and, mm -hmm. and yeah so and I know my story is not like alone like a lot of women say that. yeah yeah so so many of us and I'm so glad that you explained especially like with your research because I almost wish we could flip the emphasis on protein and put it on the fiber that's something that um as a nutrition major in one of my nutrition courses, we have recently been talking about and with, I have a history in bodybuilding and we always went off of this like one to two grams of protein per pound of body weight. And, and now that I'm like really looking at the research and everything, I'm like, we don't necessarily, it doesn't make you any stronger or help you build muscle any faster. And like you had said, there, we're as in America, we're not really, and even Canada as well, we're not deficient in protein. Like <laughs> we're getting enough of it, um, but we're not getting enough fiber. And recently, that's why I was curious about what you may would give for a target goal. Um, we have to do um, dietary intakes and um, the software that we are required to use. It's not my fitness pal, which I was excited about because I feel like my fitness pal causes a lot of people to under eat. So I was really excited to see this new software and it put um, for women in their 30s, their fiber intake would be around 15 grams. Really? And I, yeah. And I was like, that's it? Yeah. No, I would definitely, I mean, I'm pretty you know. sure, you can't quote me, but I thought during my doctorate at least, so it was two years ago, um, the recommendation was 25 grams in Canada for Canadian women. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I used as, you know, the, the ball mark or the, or the ballpark of people being oh, under and women with PCS were like, the average was 19. Um, mm -hmm. and that average, which means there's people that are much lower than that as well. Right. Um, right. Which is not good. So, uh, so yeah, I would 15 is, I, I know, would I was super shocked. I've always heard around 30 grams and that's, that's what I was educated on, yeah. um, like with my previous training and right. that wasn't coming from my professor or anything like that. It was, it was the software that was being used. And I was like, wow, no wonder people, you know, if they saw that and thought that that was the going rate for <laughs> fiber intake, it would, it would, it would really put a lot of people eating a lot less fiber than what could be beneficial. And Definitely. even with even, you know, metabolic syndrome too, it would be great to have increased fiber. And if you don't have PCOS, a lot of people fall within that category too. So I just feel like it affects a lot of people and eating more plants in their diet can be so beneficial. We just have to get past the diet culture BS <laughs> that tells you to lower your carb intake, because I just think that it could just truly help improve a lot of people with their symptoms. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there isn't really a downside to extra fiber. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you if there was any cons yeah. to that. Yeah. Like we might experience um, bloating at the beginning, like d discomfort, but we can, uh, we can, uh, um, you know, in increase our water intake could help that. Um, it's usually just at the beginning, if you're like not used to eating that amount of fiber that that could happen. 
Um, there's also different ways, like if it's, if you need to soak grains beforehand or soak, like that could help um, as well. I don't actually, I don't do that, but um, I've heard that that can help um, for other people. Um, and then, and like maybe spreading out, like, so we're not having like a ton of, I almost swore, <laughs> like a, a ton of beans, like all at once. And that is all going in our stomach. Like that's going to be potentially, you know, like cause some discomfort. So like you mm -hmm. can spread it out throughout the day if someone's experiencing that at the beginning. But yeah, most of those, those are just because we're not used to it. Our gut's not used to it when it should be used to it. Like we should have a healthy gut microbiota to like, right. you know, to absorb and to um, be, you know, taking in all this like variety of uh, nutrients, uh, including fiber. And it can even, I mean, it'll even help us with, with our gut. Cause a lot of people really struggle with the gut. I know I see it a lot in the work that I do. And that's one of the, the great things in the beginning is making sure that we bump up fiber and help clean, <laughs> clean yeah, out. The yeah. best way to address, I see so many, like gut is a really hot topic and yeah. um, the best way is to increase our variety of fruits, fruits and vegetables. And that increases the variety of um, you know, microbiota in our gut. So mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, the, a big old salad. I don't know when like salad, but a big old smoothie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it would help yeah. so much. So that was, I think that was super helpful. And like you said, maybe for someone that's beginning just to spread out the meals and, um, you know, have you ever worked with someone that was transitioning into just a complete entire plant-based diet and what does that transition phase look like because I do hear from some people saying that they want to they just don't know how or they're scared to give up you know animal meat and things like that yeah I think if there's any like uncertainty then going slow is a really good approach um like some people are really you know like I want to do this and like okay like let's let's go all in like I don't think there's anything wrong with that if, like you're really passionate like you just like don't want to eat animal products anymore, especially if there's like ethical or moral reasons, then there's, there's more drive there, um, which I think is also another way to like create that drive is to look more into that side because mm -hmm. that could really like, that could, you know, sit well with someone. It does for, for me, at least um, it adds more, um, more why to my plate. And I say that right, is right. like just my body. Um, but I say go slow. Um, you can like, like meatless Mondays is actually I think a really great thing you know every little every little like change that we make whether it's like replacing like one meal uh, that was like a meat-based meal to a plant-based meal is gonna impact our cholesterol levels it's gonna you know like these small changes will add up um, and then it becomes a little easier as you start to like diversify the kinds of recipes that you could get and get more comfortable in the kitchen um, cause I think that's, that seems to be the main issue is just like, I don't know what to make. I don't know right. how to make it taste good. So my family will eat it. Um, so I think having like a arsenal of recipes is a really great idea too. Um, and you know, there's like no excuses for that anymore. We have like the internet. Of <laughs> Thanks to so Pinterest. You should be covered. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and like of all, like if you, you know, don't want oil or you don't want like cheese or like whatever the thing is like you could just you know find one that doesn't have that <laughs> like, yeah I think what could be potentially concerning um is if you had someone that's wanting to go to a plant-based diet or I've even just seen like vegetarians do the same thing where they make the transition but they're still eating the majority of their diets highly processed foods um because that's like easier and convenient and is there a risk to that because I think a lot of the times the mindset was like oh it's still plant-based but they're not taking into account like how much soybean oil and like those types of things are brought up into the products too yeah so I think that and and that can also add expense too so we're not you know if we're relying on things like beyond meat or like these like kind of fake meats yeah. um I think that's I think like maybe once a week that is a, a good kind of like treat I, I think yeah. of those foods as treats really um because they are processed but um not to say that there's like no use for them like they're definitely a good way to like get that kind of flavor or texture if you're someone mm -hmm. that misses um like a the flavor of meat and, and such but yeah, to, if we're switching like to 
to base our meals around like home cooked, uh, you know, whole foods still. So um, we're using the beans and the legumes and the, um, you know, the rice and every right. things that come in the, are in the pantry or in the fridge. Um, the, you know, are going to be what we should start with. Um, because you're absolutely right. There's the change is not, you know, it's, it's negligible if we're going from like eating predominantly meat, then eating like packaged vegan food. That's not like, yeah, that's not mm -hmm. what I'm advocating for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's really, um, I mean, and I can see the appeal because it's convenient, it's prepared mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe you're nervous because you don't know if you can make a, like you said, like a tasty dish on your own. So let's just go that route. And, um, I can see the appeal in it, but I can also see the negative side of it as well. And I think it's just good to just kind of bring it up that, like you said, like, let's try to keep it with whole foods. And honestly, you know, like rice and beans and legumes, you're going to cut your, your grocery bill down. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I have a post coming on that because there's like, there's a myth that vegan, a vegan diet is more expensive. And, and that's only the case if we're like, you know, buying those, um, those processed foods, meats, yeah, or like the cheese and such, like then, yeah, that is a more expense. But I, um, you know, I was living on a graduate stipend, which is, uh, I just left and it's below the poverty line in BC. <laughs> and I was like, you know, consuming a vegan diet. So um, it's really, those are kind of the cheapest foods that we can get. Um, so hopefully that's not an, uh, you know, that myth, myth can be busted. Yeah. Yeah. And then what is it like as a plant-based, um, diet when you're dining out? Is, is that challenging? Do you, cause I feel like you get charged more than some meals that contain animal food. Yeah. It, it, that can happen because there'll be like the double charge, like, Oh, could I get some like that added on the side? Or like, I'd like some, avocado on the side if you're not going to like give me the, the fancy whatever is supposed to be yeah. the meal but um I'm really lucky here on the west coast there's so many vegan restaurants that I usually don't have that problem both Vancouver and Victoria um and these days I find that you can like my best advice is to check the menu beforehand mm -hmm. and that's for anyone like that's kind of watching what they're you know making a, a lifestyle change um, you can check beforehand and, you know, if that, if that's something that's like obsessive, which is definitely was obsessive in the past was like with eat, disordered eating, um, then maybe that's not the best for someone, but I think it's just good to know kind of what you're getting into. And, um, if I'm like, if my friends want to go to a steakhouse, like, is there going to be something on the menu for me? Um, mm -hmm. cause I don't want to be like the awkward one that can't eat. You like you know there's nothing on the menu for you're just me, so. sweet potato and broccoli while everybody else is yeah, <laughs> having a full meal um yeah and I think like there's just some places are are more catering than others that's kind of what it comes down to um, yeah hopefully, yeah hopefully people in your life will be supportive and like will be open to going to those places um because I think that yeah that's that's another great point too is is to if if you're going from and you know a nutrition regimen that includes animal foods and going solely plant-based you it would take some support system and some understanding especially for the people that are in your household I think that would probably be the hardest if especially if they're not doing it along with you um yeah. if you're know, making sure that they understand your why and and your reasoning and I think this episode can definitely help <laughs> to understand you know from a medical standpoint the benefits of it too yeah I think knowing your why is going to be ultimate um for yourself and for explaining to other people um mm -hmm. and it gets stronger like the longer that you uh, you know are you investing in any sort of um changes and I've been on both like sides of the coin where I was, you know, living with people that were not as supportive, living with people that are very supportive. So, um, it's, I was, I was maintained my veganism the whole time, but yeah, it's definitely more supportive when there's people in your life that will, you know, at the very least support your decisions. They don't have to go like all in with you, mm -hmm. but to like, um, 
to be good people about it, which I think it, that's all it comes down to. It's just being yeah. like really it really person. kind of blows my mind how, um, you know, people react to someone when they say that they, you know, eat plant-based. It, it just blows my mind. Um, you know, I think it ultimately brings a reflection to them. You know, maybe it makes them feel bad that they're, you know, not eating more vegetables. I don't know. <laughs> I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it blows my mind. Totally. There's such a stereotype about um, vegans, especially, and, um, and that, you know, we can't stop talking about it, but like, I'm passionate about it and I, yeah. I care. So I feel it's a disservice to not talk about it. If I feel so strongly about something, mm -hmm. just like any other movement or any other, you know, something that someone feels strongly about, they want to talk about it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, and I think in our community, being the PCOS community, we need to talk about it because it's just there's so many benefits to eating more fruits and vegetables and plant based yeah. options. And I, I just, my biggest takeaway is I wanted people to not be afraid of adding more plants to their nutrition, even if you don't want to go all plant based. Like, I'm not entirely plant based, but over the last couple of years, when I've really had to work on healing, I increased my plant intake I mean t just a crazy amount a crazy amount like I kind of bypassed the whole meatless Monday and basically just had you know like several days of the week that were completely meatless and then I only had meat every now and then part of that was just doing fish at first um mm -hmm. but like still to this day I, I eat more plants than what I used to and I can tell I mean it's improved so many things from managing my blood sugar hormone levels have improved um you know just so many other things so I love what you do and I just want other people to know that it's okay I don't want them to be afraid of it yeah I'm on the same page I know there's nothing to be afraid of and yeah. um you know we can eat fruit we can eat soy um, there's so many things like that's another go out. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm like, yeah. soy people are so afraid of soy with PCOS too. I didn't even think to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I don't know where all these kind of rules come. Well, some of it does come from very poor older research, mm -hmm. <laughs> specifically diabetes research and, um, and such, but there's, there's a lot of biases that we have to be aware of a lot of, you know, different where funding is coming from, who's, you know, behind these research yeah. articles and such. So yeah, there's, there's very little to, food to be afraid of with PCOS. And I feel like we get so, um, like, how do I say, we really get so nitpicky with yeah. what we should, we should be eating and health is for me, I think it's really simple. I think it's really like whole foods, um, in their like truest form, mm -hmm. um, before we, as humans manipulated them into like packaged shit. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's yeah. totally. And like, I don't, you know, I, I don't blame our society for creating these foods because they just had such a big demand and stuff, but mm -hmm. we do have to sit back and see what they're doing to us and, and our health in the long term. And um, I also think that, you know, for people, like we're not, like my generation isn't taught like how to prepare meals anymore. Mm -hmm. So because we're so used to all these, you know, quick service uh, processed foods. So I also think like eating more plants and things like that, people don't know how to prepare them. They don't know how to cook them and they're afraid to try. Um, and I think that that's something that's just, you know, do it even if you're afraid. Worst thing is it doesn't work out and you try again. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And it can be so fun. Like I was like that when I first transitioned, I was very boring. I was very much like rice, beans, broccoli. And I was like, okay, I got it covered, moving yeah. on. But I knew I wasn't going to entice other people in my life if I was eating like that. Um, yeah. I would be like, yeah. And I also, started you know I see to see really beautiful recipes online and was just kind of like that would be really fun if I could make that yeah. and actually made it a whole activity and I think through quarantine I think a lot of people have experienced that how like the self-care piece of cooking for ourselves um and you know or cooking for a loved one and what goes into that and it's you know the it makes the food so much more than just like I'm gonna eat food mm -hmm to eat food, but to actually have a whole experience behind it. 
Um, and so that's why I really encourage, like, I know it can be scary, but with, you know, the help of the internet and like maybe just planning, like we've got to plan our ingredients, we got to plan, like it, it does take some prep, but then we can like totally, you know, have fun yeah. in the kitchen. And you even, you share quite a few recipes on your platforms too, on social media as well. Um, So that could be, yeah. And I want to, um, I'll put everything in the show notes where they can reach out to you and and check out your, your link. So do you care to kind of just tell us where can we find you at? Yeah. So on Instagram is the best place, Cutler. And then my blog is fruitfuldish.com and fruitful is with a PH at the beginning. And yeah, that's stemmed from diet culture telling me that yeah. I can eat fruit. Um, so that was back in 2015 when I made that. Um, and I did not know we'd still be talking about this. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I didn't realize until recently, um, which like we have PCOS Advocacy Day coming up. So we're talking a lot about the lack of research, but just in nutrition alone, that is a science that is just newly you know, in the niche of science, like it's only been researched for like a hundred years. And I didn't realize that until I started majoring in nutrition. And it's like, man, there's just, there's still so much that we need to learn. And I think that the, the diet culture, if we could ever just kind of like get louder than them, (laughs) things would be so much easier for so many people and their health would improve. I I feel like it's definitely swimming upstream a lot of times against these myths in diet culture. Totally. And there's, there's so much money behind it. There's so many industries, you know, it's not, it's not the health industry. There's like fitness, the beauty industry, like they're all, they're all in it on it. It's a very, um, it's an uphill battle for sure. Yeah. Well, thank (laughs) you so much. I just absolutely adore talking to you. (laughs) And this is so helpful. I I really think this is going to help the listeners just to understand not to be afraid of, you know, fruits and vegetables and that adding more in can actually be beneficial to their PCOS. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for joining this episode on Live Free with That PCOS Coach. If you have any questions or if you want to share your story on the show, you can email me at thatpcoscoach at gmail.com. I also want to take this time to ask you, if you're loving the show, could you please rate and review? This really helps the podcast reach more people like you within the PCOS community. Until next time, best wishes, my friends.